This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, BSB OT, some number episode. Ryan and Greg here on the next evening. That's not the evening that the Rangers are playing after they played the Devils and Jack Hughes, the sinner himself, who uh, actually turned himself into live fire by playing the New York Rangers. And speaking of fire and dumpster fires, Jack Johnson, Greg, how are you? Ryan, before we go any further, I'm going to put you on the spot. Hit me. You can either... Yell about player usage the rest of the season mm. or still believe that showcasing exists? I hate this, actually. You can't do both. I hate this. Okay. That's why I ask. So play- because this is specifically for you. All right. So on one hand, okay, I see what you're doing because I'm a big into the showcase conspiracy theory for the New York Rangers is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I am. I really am. Neil Pionk, to me, and I've said in the past, is a showcase experiment. I believe Strom was a showcase experiment. What was the first option again? It was uh, complaining about what exactly? Ice time. Complaining about ice time. Mm -hmm. You really put me in a conundrum here, Greg, because I I, I think you're going to win this one. I look like a jackass either way. But in this case, I think I'd have to say showcasing is over, unfortunately. Like, I can't talk about it because I want to tell you that they're showcasing Ryan Strom, but if that's the case, I can't see it. I really can't. There's no option at center. And I don't know why th- you can't showcase Jack Johnson. There's nothing to showcase. So I'd rather complain about ice time. And it sucks to just say that. Okay, then you can never... I never want to hear again that you think showcasing is a thing. I can't this year. I can't. You're right. I, I think showcasing was a thing. This year, I cannot say that. I really can't. I want to. I, I really believe in my heart of hearts the, the Neil Pionk thing was a showcase. The Strom thing last year was a showcase. This year, so far, I, I truly don't believe it. And you could call me out later in the season when I say it. I, you know I will. I know. No, so, this was a good start. That, that, leads us, that leads us into the conversation that everybody's having, that everybody wants to have. Mm-hmm. I really, first of all, I'm really fucking tired of the people that are just courting ice time the, during the entire game. It, it's, I feel like most of it is out of context. The people that were yelling and screaming about Kako not playing in the second period forgot or refused to acknowledge the fact that there were four penalty situations in the thir- second period. And if Capococco isn't going to play on the penalty kill or the power play, then he's not going to get we, opportunities. We did sort of say that instances. and address that on Monday too, where in the first two games, game one, there was like eight pat penalty kills and game two, there yep. were eight power plays. And yes, but every, everyone watches the first period and yes, Hito and Kako looked great in the first period. I don't think there's any arguing it. In fact, they looked great the entire game. 
But then everyone's being like, well, why is Quinn benching them in the second? He wasn't benching them. Neither are on his power on his on his special teams units. Should they be on his special team units? That's a completely different conversation. But the people that were blindly saying, what is Quinn trying to teach by not having them out there in the second period? They're just willfully ignoring the fact that neither Hito nor Kako play on the first power play, which ate up almost the entirety of the Rangers' power play time, and neither are on the penalty kill. And if neither of those things are going to happen, when four penalties are called in a period of hockey, yeah, you're not going to see some guys a lot. I, I, it, 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 it's like banging my head on a wall when we do this time on ice argument. It's not even an argument. It's just the, the kicking and screaming. I, and we're not taking into context. I'm with you. You have to take into account context. I'm with you, but I want to take another side of this. and Because I, I, I want to speak for the people out there. Now, people who right. are quoting ice speak time. Okay, people who are quoting ice time. I'm, I'm not exactly with them. But I think in, Quinn has preached if you this segment of like prove yourself, right? He's, he's big on proving yourself. And maybe the first period wasn't enough to, quote-unquote, ride the hot hand of Kako and Heedle. And maybe if they would have scored in that period or they would have um, produced actually, despite looking so absolutely electric and good in the first period, that they would have gotten an opportunity to play on maybe the second power play. I don't think they would have they would have uh, actually gotten up to the first power play. But if they are yeah, but playing... Yeah, Quinn wasn't using his second power play unit. I, I, there are at least I two, know this. There were two power play situations where the Rangers kept... The, the top five out there the entire time. Absolutely. And I, I believe they only played like one minute the second power play in like that whole period total. Uh, it was a very limited time. Now, if you want to make the case that, hey, Strom was so bad and has been so bad through at this time, two games in one period, that Hedl should be moved up to the, to the top power play or he should be taken off and Kako should be put up there, I, I can see your... Concerns, and that's what you said. That's the other debate. Should should Kako or Hedl be put up in the first power play? Yeah, maybe. But Quinn has also had three games to try and figure this out. He's not trying to rock the cart, and he's also, for some reason, giving Strom the benefit of the doubt. That's his guy. He wants him to figure it out. He doesn't want to move up Kako. He doesn't want to move up Hedl. I'm not trying to defend Quinn here. I'm really not. I think Kako or Hedl should have gotten a chance on the power play. Maybe it would have helped. But they don't have like the quote unquote chemistry that Strom has with those other guys on the power play. It's something that's been together for a while. They know what it is. They know it's been it's been proven successful in the past, even though it looked, it looked okay, but Strom looked terrible the entire night, uh, as our good friend Fitz was saying. He was out there just getting his cardio in. That's exactly what he was doing, skating around, out for a jog. And maybe Kako and Hito should have been up there on the first power play, but they weren't. And I think that's what people were frustrated about is that they they seemingly earned their opportunity and Quinn did not give it to them. Yeah, I uh, so I'm just looking it up. Apparently, Ryan Strom had 59 points last year, 14 of which came, well, 14 assists on the power play. He had three power play goals. So 17 of his 59 points last year came mm-hmm. on the power play. Eh, I guess that's fine. Um, that's pretty good. I, if anyone that wants to make the argument that Ryan Strom should immediately be taken off the top power play unit, I look, you have an audience with us. I think everybody on this podcast and everybody that we've had on this podcast would agree that if you were to rank the five most important pieces of that top power play unit for the New York Rangers, Ryan Strom is both the least important and most replaceable. I, I, you have Mika Zibanejad on that power play unit well, it's, to take the face-offs. It's hard to Ryan say Strom like this, from there. but all the right-handed shots, like there's four right-handed shots. That's I, I don't know how much that actually matters in modern-day hockey, but 
I keep seeing that over and over again. Like, sure, hey. but if you wanted to keep the four right-handed shots, Capocacco shoots right-handed. Right. And if you wanted to make the lineup a little bit more balanced, Filipino shoots left-handed. I don't, I don't know if it's a strategy thing that the Rangers are running out there with four right-handed shots. I just think it so happens that five, four of the five guys that David Quinn wants on his power play unit happen to be right-handed. Um, but Strom's not being used for face-offs. He's not being used as the in-front-of-the-net presence. That's been Chris Kreider. So the most replaceable part on this power play is Ryan Strom. And Ryan Strom has struggled the first three games of the year. Put it bluntly, Ryan Strom has sucked. I don't think there's anyone out there trying to say differently. So if you want to take Ryan Strom off the first power play unit, by all means. And if you want to be angry about David Quinn keeping Ryan Strom on the first power play unit, honestly, I'm not going to argue with you. You have a good point. I would, too, make a change. Now, do I think it's been three games? Do I think if this was – if it was Capococco struggling at the level of Ryan Strom that we'd be guys on this podcast Kako also saying give him the shoot. benefit of the doubt? Yeah, Kako also does shoot left, by the way. So, I mean, that that does matter. There you go. Sorry. Fair enough. My apologies. Uh, nope, nope. What, correct, correct me when I'm wrong. That's fine. Yep. Um, I know that we're going to get a tweet about that, so I just want to say Yeah, I'm sure we will. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure we will. I, listen, we, uh, made the, we, made, say, uh, yeah. we made the original shirt wrong-handed on accident, and I like, couldn't stop hearing about it for ages. <laughs> uh, either – Neither here nor there. If this was a younger player struggling at the level of Ryan Strom, being given an opportunity, like if this was Alexi Lafreniere, what would we be saying on this podcast? Give the guy a break. It's three games. You have to give him more time, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's the fact that it's Ryan Strom, right? That, that's really what it is. Because he's, he's too old to be a young player, and he's not one of our important veterans. So everyone's going to say, I don't care that it's only been three games. Get him out of here. Fine, fair. I, again, I can't argue with you. I'm just saying... Once again, if the shoe was on another foot and this was a different player, and look, we had this conversation after a couple games with Cabo Caco last year and he struggled. Quite frankly, as solid as Alexi Lafreniere has looked, I've seen people complaining about his game on Twitter, which is fucking ridiculous. If you honestly have a problem with Alexi Oh, I straight up muted somebody today because it was like Caco yeah. and Lafreniere both a bust. Like, cool. Hit, catch, yeah, get, get the catch, fuck out of here. Catch, you don't deserve to be on Twitter. Catch, I don't follow you. I don't this, want to hear from catch you. Catch this nice all. mute. Like, I don't – what is this take? What are we talking about? Yeah. You you could have legitimate gripes with Capo Caco. I get it. It's year. It's 19. You could make some cases. You could do a data analysis. His stats from year one, the way he looks in the ice, his skating. Lafreniere is three games into his NHL career, and he had a generational juniors career. Generational. I'm not. I'm. I couldn't be freaking out less about Lafreniere. Really, yep. I couldn't. I agree. I agree. So, Ryan Strom, you want to take him off the power play unit? Not going to argue with you. I think you got some valid points. I think that's great. I will make an argument here about if uh, second part. If you want to just move Filipino up into the top six. Again, it. I got plenty of time for it. In fact, if you or I had to, if you asked us before the season started, if we would prefer Filipino playing over Ryan Strom, we both would have said yes. Oh, yeah. We both would have said it we'll seems like the right, right time to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If this is, Filipino has a long-term role in this New York Ranger team. We know Ryan Strom doesn't. It's it, Whether Ryan Strom is done with the Rangers after next season, whether the Rangers trade Ryan Strom before this season is over, we know that there is an ex- expiration date on Ryan Strom. So if the New York Rangers want to get an extended look at Filipino, this is the year to do it. And, I, and he's playing well enough where I would do it right now. Uh, however, I, I got to ask, Ryan, mm-hmm. which top six winger did you want to play Capococco over? Top Lafreniere, six. maybe? Yeah. I think right now. At the end of the game, at the end of the game, Capococco ended with the fifth most ice time, total ice time, of any New York Ranger winger. The only people that had more ice time than Cabo Caco at the end of the game 
Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Pavel Buchnevich, Alexi Lafreniere. Those are the only four wingers that had more ice time than Capococco. Uh, no At some point, someone has to be the fifth winger on this team. No complaints I, in that situation. My complaint with Capo in the ice time is this. If you're, if you're playing hot and it's clear you're playing hot, I think you ride the hot hand. That's what we do, Greg. We ride the hot hand. We're number six in the podcast for ranks this week again. Just saying. Riding the hot hand. That's what we do. So Kako and Heedle, if they're clearly playing out of their minds, and also, and I don't want to be this guy, and I don't want to read too much into emotional situations, it's the first game against the guy who got picked before him. You don't think Kako cares about that? I know this is such a sports trope that's so stupid, and I'm not in touch with Kako except that we do speak to each other uh, virtually, as you know, because we are connected through our religion. But in this, it, that means something to the kid. He comes out gangbusters, and then all of a sudden, you're going to like, I know that there was a couple power plays, and... He didn't really get the opportunity. I understand why he wasn't playing, but you should ride that momentum. And then Jack Hughes has the night of his life against the guy that went second and against the team that didn't have a chance to pick him. I totally understand. And he looked tremendous out there, and he had the chance to flourish. Well, Kako did not get that shot, and that's why people well, are frustrated. I'll ask, I'll ask you again. Did, yeah. did, did David Quinn not ride the hot hand in the third period when he absolutely needed goals? No, he did. He absolutely rode hot hands. He did. He had, uh, I believe he had Adam Fox out there with, uh, uh, not Tony, obviously, Tr Truba, not Truba. I think it was, oh, I know Mika and Panarin were together right at the end when he was like, I know it was a shift change, but he kind of left them out there. And it was like the last 10 minutes, the Rangers dominated, Greg. There's, it was a, it was Mackenzie Blackwood's game. He stole it from them. It was, yeah. it was he actually made, a, he made, 40, he made 47 saves. It was a Lindy Ruff special, was it not? Like, yes, the D played good. They shot, they made a lot of low percentage chance shots. Jack Johnson and at one time, and we'll get to him, I'm sure, took four like or three consecutive shots that were just absolutely miserable. So yeah, the Rangers got a lot of shots off. They let a lot of shots. A lot of them weren't high danger, but it was a classic Lindy Ruff performance of which we've seen before. You have to lean on your star goalie. And I'm not sure Mackenzie Blackwood is a star, but he certainly played like one. And that's what happened. The Rangers got, they lost to a hot goalie. And that's, I'm not upset about it. I was upset about Jack Hughes absolutely dismantling the Rangers. That's for sure. But I that that's a star player, and they're going to have to do that sometimes. That's exactly what Hughes did. I'm not upset about that, man. It's just it's a frustrating situation when you when you see Kako play so well in the first period and then just not get an opportunity in the second. But I again, and I want to make this clear, I understand your point that they were on the power play the entire time. That makes total sense to me. But I just wish he would get the opportunity. Like, hey, you you obviously played really well in the first period. Here, we're going to take Ryan Stromoff, who's struggling, and put you on. That's it. Didn't happen. That's fine. I know like, I know why Quinn didn't do it. He's stuck in his ways in, in that situation. It's been three games. He's trying to find something out. Not upset. I don't think he's, I don't think you can even classify it as stuck in his ways. You're right. I can't. We, three we know that David Quinn, we know that David Quinn likes to put it in a, in a blender. He loves we it. We know that. He loves doing it. The it's shuffle. maybe his most favorite thing in the world to do. We also know that the New York Rangers just didn't have a lot of power play opportunities in the first period. Against the Devils. That's just a fact. Yeah. The, the, in order for David Quinn to think that he needs to make a change on his pa uh, power play unit to put Capococco out there, you need to have power play. The Rangers' first power play opportunity came in the second period. They didn't. The Devils did not take a penalty in the first period. Was David Quinn supposed to – should David Quinn have known after watching the first period, after seeing how Heedle and Kako came out of the game, should David Quinn have known he needed to get these guys more ice time in the second period, especially on a man advantage. Maybe, probably even, 
But you could the argument for why Ryan Strom should or shouldn't be on the penalty kill or power play, I should say, had almost nothing to do with the performances last night. It's the same question we've been asking since the season began and since last season. We just don't think Ryan Strom should be on the first power play unit. We don't think he adds anything to it. If you're trying to develop younger talent, if you're trying to put your younger talent in situations to succeed, you would think doing so on the first power play unit with guys like Mika Zibanejad, Adam Fox, and Artemi Panarin, it's a great way to do it. But he does, for whatever reason, that's where he's got Strom. If you want to make that argument, again, I can't sit here and disagree with anything. Those are all valid points to me. But but if we're yelling about how Hedo and Kako weren't given a lot of ice time in the second, I think context is super important. The Rangers were either on the man advantage or at a disadvantage for eight minutes of the second period. That left 12 minutes that the Rangers could do something with. Now, of course, I understand before anyone yells at me, oh, well, it wasn't a full 12 minutes, blah, blah, blah. There were three power play goals in the period. So it's not like each penalty went to fruition. But it, guys, like the context is important. When you have a power play unit and penalty kill units, the lines are going to get jumbled because now you have, why does Brett Howden get more ice time? Because he's on the penalty kill unit. So now you have to cycle through a couple shifts in order to get everybody back to where their lines are supposed to be. Why? Why? It, it's it's not rocket science at the end of the day. There was, is it a good reason? No, but there was a reason that existed why these guys weren't on the ice in the second period. So I'm just tired of the people that are blindly saying, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Again, I don't even want to defend David Quinn, man. He ain't my favorite coach. What, <laughs> That's like, the funniest this is, part, man. This is the thing that drives me insane. I don't want to be the guy defending David Quinn. I don't want to do that. It's not fun for me. I'm not thinking this guy is the long-term solution. He ain't Jesus Christ. Right? I don't even believe in that religion if we really want to get yeah. into the dark, dark of it. Like, this guy is an average NHL head coach. Average, I think. He he doesn't do anything that blows me away. I personally don't think he does a lot of things that take away from what the Rangers could or couldn't do, possibly. I think he's average, which means there are half the, half the league's better than him, but half the league's also worse. Like, would this, would this be significantly different if Lindy Ruff was the head coach? I got news for you. Probably the same exact shit happens. Yeah, literally probably. step by step. Well, actually, I want to like, speak. I, I, I want to speak on that a little bit, if you don't mind. A friend of the podcast, recurring guest, and rival uh, asshole, Vince Pekerkliano. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to call him an asshole, or did I? Who knows? I apologize, Vince, or or do I? Who knows? All right. Uh, he said to me, uh, or rather, re- replied to someone I was tagged in today. Honestly, I, he said Jock Martin pretty much makes all the decisions for the defensive pairings. He's pretty sure in this case. So okay, uh, I got I got something to say to that too. Okay, uh, bull fucking shit is what I have to say to that too. Fine. If, if we want to say that Jacques Martin is in charge of everything going on defensively with the New York Rangers and is 100% in charge with who gets paired with who that's great and good. The head coach can still say no, that, that hierarchy still exists. We, I will not blame Jacques Martin. Marty for, Jacques. Jacques Martin could cry until he's blue in the face about how he wants to play Jack Johnson. If David Quinn says, no, you want to know what Jack Johnson doesn't do. He doesn't fucking play like that. That's how team structure works, right? A pitching coach says a pitcher is cooked in a baseball game. If the manager says, well, let's try to get one more out, the pitching coach doesn't unilaterally get to go out to the mound and take the pitcher out. It still comes down to what the manager wants to do. It's David Quinn's responsibility to trust his coaching staff. If Jacques Martin really believes Jack Johnson has not been as bad as he's been, and boy, has he been bad, then it's also on David Quinn for just saying, well, Jacques says he's fine. That's not my job. Motherfucker, that is your job. That's your job. You're the head coach. All right, hold on. You're, you're the main cheese. You're the number one. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and finish this conversation because there's more to say about it. Transition. 
All right, we're back. So, yeah, we were talking about Mr. Jack Johnson and, and Marty Jacques uh, playing over him. I mean, Vince's case here is that he's a well-respected coach that they kind of want, don't want to, like, say, like, he was a big advocate for J.J. to be brought in. Apparently, um, D- uh, J.D. was also a big advocate of of bringing in Jack Johnson, which, again, I, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, they have eyes. I I know they do. I'm sure Jack Johnson has serious dirt on both of them. Has to. Has to. I don't understand otherwise. But in the, in this case... Um, there's, I think there's a, we'll find out as this podcast comes out, but there's a serious case that, I don't know, Craig, I think Jack Johnson might play over Brendan Smith. And to me, that's a war crime. Oh, it he, really is. He's, he's playing over Brendan Smith. Are you nuts? It's it. How, how am I nuts? <laughs> because is it, it us? We're the people that this is, this is also another thing. Uh, and another thing. And another the thing. name of this fucking BSBOT. Yeah. Uh, first of all, everybody connected to the, we're bringing in. Jack Johnson is at fault here. Jacques Martin for thinking he still has value in him. JD, John Davidson for thinking that this guy was a valuable locker room asset in his time in Columbus. Jeff Gordon for offering him the contract. And David Quinn for continuing to put him in the lineup. If you want someone fired for Jack Johnson coming in here, you have to fire all four of them. You can't ID one of them. Nobody is more at fault than the next person. Yeah, that's, They're all culpable. Isn't it funny, they all though? Did it. Isn't it, yeah, I agree with you, by the way. I, I And I don't want to fire all four of them. I don't. No, I don't want to either. But the easy decision would have been just not signing them. But all four of them got together and said, this could work. I, Therefore, all four of them are the problem. Isn't that funny that how only David Quinn takes the brunt of it? Like, Gordon signed him, guys. Like, he did. JD advocated for this. It happened. They 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 had their whatever analytics department say, yeah, sign this guy for more than the minimum. Like, that is insane. Like, I don't know how that meeting went. I wish I was in it. But it's truly out of this world. Like, you, we know analytic people. We're not math guys. We've said it a million times. You know more about analytics than I do. I've started to learn it a little bit over the past year. I just did a... I just have Slack open. I'm such the worst podcast host. I hate myself. I started to learn about it a little more this year. And in this case, like, it's clear he's the worst player by far analytically. And maybe analytics don't tell the whole ice test, but I also have eyes. And I watched all of his shifts the past couple games. And I got to tell you, he can't skate. He can't skate. He takes like nine steps in a row to go two feet. It's unbelievable. He can't move. He can't play. He has bad passes. I don't know what, what we. I the eye test analytics. They both match up. They shake hands, and it still doesn't matter. <sighs> we did this. I did this rant way back when. You could the the people who've been listening a long enough time probably remember it. If you think I'm making this up new, I promise you I'm not. I, this this is something I used to say all the time when Elaine Vigneault was the head coach. Play the hits, baby. And it's. At some point, you can't be angry at the coach for wanting to play with the toy. You give the coach a toy that you don't want him to play with. The only way to make sure he can't play with that toy is by taking away the toy. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be angry that David Quinn is continuing to play Jack Johnson, fine. Some of that is on David Quinn. David Quinn thinks there's being value added to his lineup by having Jack Johnson in it. If you want to be angry at David Quinn for continuing to play him, then you have to be angry at Jeff Gordon for giving him the opportunity to play him. The easiest thing to do is just to take the toy away. This is a rant I did with Tanner Glass. We've done this rant with Cody McLeod. I've made this exact rant about Terry Collins and the god Eric Campbell. Like, the only way you take the toy, the only way to prevent this guy from not being in the lineup is to have an opportunity where it's not an option. And at some point, that falls on Gordon. Gordon signed him at the request of John Davidson and Jacques Martin. Gordon keeps him on this roster. Gordon didn't waive him to put him on the taxi squad. He's making it easy for Jack Johnson to be in the lineup on a nightly basis. 
we have nothing. No evidence has been provided to us through how David Quinn manages his games and how he manages his practices that indicates David Quinn sees a problem or Jack Martin sees a problem or Jeff Gordon sees a problem with how Jack Johnson has played in the first three games of the season. It doesn't exist. They think it's going fine. How do I know they think it's going fine? Because he's continuing to play and he's continuing to be partnered with people of consequence. And I got to tell you, Brendan Smith has looked the best he's looked in a long time. There is no performance-based reason to take Brendan Smith out of the lineup. If you want to put Tony D'Angelo back in, put Tony D'Angelo back in. Have him play on the left with Adam Fox. We now have just, I understand it's only been three games, but how much more fucking evidence do you need that Adam Fox is a next-level defenseman in this National Hockey League? It doesn't fucking matter who he's paired with. It doesn't. That guy is fantastic. He he makes very little mistakes. Very few. Very few. He's perfect. Also, the worst thing that's ever happened to Tony D'Angelo is Adam Fox... Because Adam Fox has been so good on the first power play unit that I don't understand the reason for keeping Tony D'Angelo in here. Dude, Adam Fox is so silky smooth and buttery on that first power play unit. It's disgusting. Every one of his passes, his facilitation, and the way like everything just rotates so smoothly through him is beautiful. Yes, Tony's a more aggressive player, but Adam Fox, it's just elegance. I, I, I literally had to w- look up words to describe art when talking about Adam Fox's power play because... It's just something I haven't seen a lot of in, in my time watching hockey over the years. It's beautiful. And I hope yeah, it stays with, that way. The word the word I use with Tony when it's on the power play is frantic energy. Mm-hmm. It looks like everything is chaos. And for a team that is running out D'Angelo, Zibanejad, Panera, and Kreider, like chaos is good. Chaos means the opposing team is just confused as to what's going to happen next. Right. With Adam shooters. Fox, with Adam Fox, they almost know what's going to happen next, and it doesn't fucking matter because Adam Fox is just going to do it anyway. The pass that Adam Fox made down low on the power play when he just no-looked it off, and it was a perfect pass on the stick, it was just like unbelievable. Like, I was like, oh, he's, I, chills. He's, he's, he's chills. freaking Houdini, man. He is. He's, he's silky smooth. I, with Tony coming back in the lineup, I don't see any reason to take Adam Fox off of the first power. Oh, play. I will be one, it, one doesn't exist. I'll be quite upset if that happens. And I do, I do, yeah. I do believe Tony deserves power play time. I'd actually might rather have Tony on the play uh, power play other than Strom. I'll be honest with you. I think Tony. Yeah, if you want to run two defensemen, that's fine by me. I, I don't care. I know it's a little bit old school at this point, but Tony's a winger. Like, let's not kid ourselves. We, the Rangers always have to have one defenseman who's a winger, and that is Tony D'Angelo right now. At the, at the same time, you put Tony in there, you're once again not getting ice time to Capocacos, and you can't bitch about that. I, I know, I know. I would rather have Kopko because I want his development to – I know development isn't linear, but his confidence, he's clearly a little bit fragile, just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Interesting, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna pounce on that because you put it up there for me. Okay, go for it. I'm ready. Player who you said has fragile confidence. His, his confidence is on a level of fragility that makes you a little uncomfortable and protective of him, right? I'm protective of Kopko, so- yeah. The guy, the guy's playing a great game mm-hmm. against the New Jersey Devils. I don't mm. think there's any argument about that. I see that. what you're going here. Go on. Are you saying that the Rangers should have given him more ice time to challenge him because he's having a great game? Or do you think David Quinn should have been like, hey, buddy, you're having a great game. Enjoy the fact that you're having a great game. I'm going to change nothing. I think because you want to see more out of Kako in the future, you have to sort of push him and challenge him, especially because – of the situation. Your logic there don't, is Don't good. you want him to put together actually good games back-to-back first? Is is game three of the NHL season the time to push Capococco? 
The answer is likely no, but almost every single situation you can have, Kako, especially adverse Jack Hughes, and I know that doesn't mean anything maybe to him at all. Maybe he doesn't even think about it. But if I'm him in that situation, it means a lot to me. And I want to be out there playing my heart out against the guy that got picked before me. Like, that's a vendetta for the rest of my career, no matter what. Even if he says, and he has said in interviews, it doesn't matter to me. I don't think about it. Okay, but it's not David Quinn's job to say that. Right. David Quinn doesn't give a shit who got picked before Capo Caco. Right. He has Caco. Caco, Caco, Caco could want that. I hope he does want that. That'd be fucking great. Ain't David Quinn's job to understand that his player is playing with a chip on his shoulder. That's true. That's true. You make a valid point there, but I, I, I think in that position, Kako, who had a really rough game one, had a really good game two, and went to game three here, was playing quite well and was electric, feisty, and aggressive, especially even on the forecheck. Had some shots available to him and rather, uh, rather passed the puck in the, in, the third, in the first period of the third game there. I think you have to tra- take your run. And maybe it wasn't the time to take the home run swing. Maybe that's what you're getting well, Okay, Nick, you, you, you mentioned that he had a good game two and a going into a better game three did david quinn not give him more ice time in game three than game two absolutely did especially he did, he did. i mean had more op- at, uh, at, some, though, at some point had where you're running out of legs to stand on ha- here had more opportunity though because there was even more power boys in game game uh two but yes i see what you're saying i just i'm protective of him as you know as are many that's others fine. that's fine i just i everybody needs to understand that there needs to be context in this like Am I uh, do I get upset when the Mets don't let Jacob DeGrom throw a hundred pitches in his third start of the year in the end of April? Yes. Does it bother me that they do that? Yep. No, it doesn't. It, should. it only bothers <laughs> me because our bullpen blows. Yeah. But like the handling of Jacob DeGrom has nothing to do with the Mets bullpen. Right. Like it doesn't you have to treat every player individually while also remembering that there is a team game going on here, right? Yes, we're worried about Capocaco being put in better situations in order to perform. David Quinn also has to worry about the fucking 17 other players currently in his lineup. It can't just be the Capocaco show. And again, you could make the argument that Caco should have ate, eaten more ice time than Lafreniere. He did in the third period. Why didn't he in the first two periods? Because Quinn wasn't prepared to make that move yet. Should he be criticized for it? Maybe to an extent. But I don't, the people that were getting up in arms saying this oh, guy's I'm, ruining people's I'm not development. ready to say that. You know that. Yeah. They were going fucking nuts. No. He played... He he started the game on the third line, and he played the fifth most minutes of any New York Ranger winger, all times considered. The only wingers that played more than him, three of them, you're not playing him more than Panarin any any night of the week. I don't care who you are. Pavel Buchnevich has been the best New York Ranger sans Adam Fox to start this season. So you're not playing him ahead of Pavel Buchnevich either. Should he be playing more than Chris Kreider? Maybe. Should it be playing more than Alexi Lafreniere? Maybe. But if the New York Rangers want to be good this year, Chris Kreider's got to be fucking good. And we know Kreider comes out of the gates slow as shit. And the only way Kreider gets into his game is by playing. It's we, true. We've seen it year after year. It's true. Last year, th- this uh, October last year, Ryan, we were talking about how Chris Kreider couldn't even get a first-round pick in a trade. Because that's how bad he started. Chris Kreider at least uh, did his special of hitting the goalposts. So. Sure did. Uh, I just... You I, And again, if you want to say he needs to play more than Alexi Lafreniere, that should, we're going to end up having this exact conversation about Alexi Lafreniere in two weeks. I know. About how he needs more ice time. Can't play everybody. The Rangers have so many good wingers. It's a great problem to have. It's such a great problem to have that we're now bitching and moaning that Cabo only got 14 minutes of ice time in a game where the Rangers took 50 fucking shots. 
and lost by one goal. By the way, a name we haven't mentioned on this BSBOT, Ryan, is Alexander Georgiev, who led up two fucking softies against the New Jersey Devils. That first goal, I know we can blame Jack Johnson all we want. Gorgiev had no fucking control of the rebound, Nothing. which set up Miles Wood to bury oh, he, it for it, the winger. It looked like he disconnected his controller. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No, crazy. no. That you're you're talking about the Jack Hughes one when he thinks he has it. Yeah. It trickles behind him and Jack Hughes crashes the net. Mm-hmm. I'm talking the first goal of the game. Gorgiev had no control of the shot, no control of the rebound. It goes out to Miles Wood and Miles Wood buries it because Miles Wood is a solid goal scorer in the National Hockey League. And if you're going to give him a free shot, he's going to fucking take it. Absolutely. Two goals directly on Gorgiev's footsteps who got pulled after the second period because he played poorly. It's a different game if, he's, if, if he makes one of those two stops. It's a different game, Absolutely. let alone both of them. The Rangers took 50 fucking shots. They lost by one goal. Uh, Steve Valaket, front of the podcast, his advanced analytics service shows that Mackenzie Blackwood stole that game. Literally stole The Rangers' it. expected goal output was over five, and the Devils' expected goal output was under four. That's well, a steal. The next time, I don't know what else you want this team to do. No. The next time you hear from us, we'll be back on Monday recording night. night with the Rangers will have played a, uh, two games over three days with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we will talk to you then. Mika Zibinijad will hopefully be playing. Supposedly he will play on Friday. And I hope Ren Lemieux ha- uh, has the ability to walk by the end of the weekend. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.